Welcome to Main Menu for April 10th, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week we visit with David Greenwood of GMA Games about the public beta of a new game entitled Time of Conflict. Then, J.J. Meta brings us more highlights of CSUN 2010. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. This week on Main Menu, I'm visiting with David Greenwood of GMA Games. David, uh, welcome to Main Menu. Well, thank you. The reason we're talking this week is because you have a new game in public beta called Time of Conflict. Um, first of all, let's talk about the history of GMA Games a little bit. Why don't you take our listeners through uh, how the company got started and some of the earlier games that you've produced? Okay, we uh, officially got our name in the early part of, uh, well, I guess 2001. Uh, but we were producing games in, I guess, 98. Our first game was Lone Wolf, and it was marketed uh, through PCS Games. And it was a DOS-based game. Um, it was real-time and had sounds. It was uh, quite new to the uh, visually impaired uh, market, I think. And we thought we'd take a go another step farther, and we uh, pulled the Odyssey list and tried to decide on uh, what game that people would be interested in. People seemed to be pretty interested in a Doom-type game. This is how it was described, and uh, so we uh, polled people on how they thought it should work and got some ideas together, and uh, between the, the list and myself, we put together Shades of Doom. Yeah, that was quite a quite a game. Um, I can remember that's probably the first really advanced game that I ever played. I looked at some demos of a couple other things from some other, another company, and I don't know, they seemed, seemed a little bit buggy. I wasn't quite as pleased with uh, just the, the way the sounds gave me information about my environment. But when I played Shades of Doom, I remember thinking, you know, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Well, that's great. That's... Uh and that has a lot to do with the uh, beta testers and uh, the list that came up with a lot of the ideas. And then after that, um, I remember GMA Tank Commander, which was a, quite quite a game. I, that was one of the most immersive games I think I've ever played as far as sounds and the, the things you could control in the game. It was uh, a fun game to develop. It was a game that I've always wanted to develop. Uh, when I had sight, I was big into the tank-type games, so I... Uh, really wanted to uh, do this game. Actually, most of the games I've writ- I write for myself. I, if I don't like the game, um, I just can't get into it enough to, uh, I guess, put my all into it, I guess. Now that brings up a great point, because I was actually going to ask you about that. I could tell from playing your games, or at least I was pretty sure that you have had sight at some point. Yes, I, um, I had sight for most of my life. It was... I guess I, it went down gradually by about 96, 97, 98. I had to uh, start using a cane by about 2001. It was pretty well all gone. So do, have you actually had mil- military experience, or is everything that you know about the military just from research and from uh, gaming? 
mainly research quite a bit, but a lot of it is just from books and movies because a lot of uh, what I'm doing is not really based on hard information. A lot of it is the feel of the, you know, when you're watching a movie or reading a book, just the, the feeling of how it may work. And I, I do check up on some information, but as, as you know, the, in Tank Commander, the, the tanks aren't really modeled after any particular tank. It just has certain characteristics that uh, will make the game a little more fun. Now, what year was uh, Tank Commander released? I think that was 2005. That sounds about right, yeah. So for the last few years, I mean, I've kind of checked back on your website time and again, and you know, haven't seen a lot happening. I Obviously, you guys were still around, but um, I went there the other day, and lo and behold, I found a March 19th entry on your What's New page and a public beta of a new game called Time of Conflict. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a rundown of what Time of Conflict is? Okay, there was when I was uh, a teenager, we had these games. Like I think they were called uh, uh, tabletop battle games, where you'd have these huge maps that had thousands of cells and hundreds of little units, tanks or horsemen or whatever, moving around these maps. But it would take up a whole dining room table. I think Blitz, Blitzkrieg was one of them. Uh, I can't remember the names, but I, I, I've always enjoyed those games. Uh, they would take hours and hours. You'd meet with friends, and it would take you know the whole weekend to play. And uh, I really wanted to do this uh, uh, for the, the the blind market. I, I wanted to do it for myself. I, I really missed that uh, uh, strategy. Sure. And, and when I um, you know tried to figure out how how I could ever possibly pull it off, working with hundreds of units and working with uh, complex mat maps and not being able to uh, visualize the units and their positioning in the maps. I had no idea how it could be done. This was back in 2000 when I started thinking about it. And um, I guess uh, about a year ago, it came to me that, well, maybe maybe you don't necessarily have to know where every peninsula is or every body of water, every lake, where every unit is. What you can do is handle them as you would inventory. And so I, I, I started playing with that concept, and I went from there. The thing that I think there are several things that are pretty interesting about this game. One of them is that unlike Lone Wolf or Tank Commander, this game is not real-time, but it's what I would call turn-based or move-based. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's... Uh, as I said, I started off from well using these uh, games, these map games, as a basis, and and you took turns with your friends. He right. made his move, you made your move. But uh, that may change. Interesting, interesting. That would be a, f- a fun change, quite honestly. What uh, what we're working on right at the moment, and uh, I've got a prototype working more or less at the uh, at this time um, is a multi-user game mm-hmm. and and what uh, how it will work is uh, well you just keep playing and you've got uh, if you don't play quickly your opponent is going to um, walk all over you <laughs> so um, 
you still have your hundreds of pieces or units to uh, to move around the map, but uh, um, you've got to do it. Not only do you have to think about what you're doing, you've got to think quickly. Yeah. And and I think the key thing is that you'll probably, when we set it up for multi-user, you'll probably match yourself up to um, somebody of your skill level. If you've just started the game, you know, we'll probably have ratings on each uh, person who plays, and because it certainly is, uh, you know, if you played it for uh, six months, it's certainly a lot different than picking it up after a week. Yeah, I mean, the thing, another thing that I think is worth mentioning is, you know, there are a lot of games that are just a simple, you just kind of move your arrow keys right and left and you just hit the space bar and try to center the alien and shoot him out of the sky. And that's fun for a while, and there's not a thing wrong with that. But this game actually takes some work. Um, I know I listened to the little tutorial that you put together, and, and which is on your website, and you stated up front that it was a really quick and dirty tutorial, uh, but listening to it, it was a bit overwhelming, but once I started playing the game, then when I went back and read the manual and listened again, things started making sense. So this is definitely not something that you just pick up in five minutes or less. I should have a warning on the box. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it is really, it, it, it is something that you've got to spend some time on. Um, you know, after saying that, if people who are really into it within, uh, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever, they're, they're getting quite, quite good, quite uh, uh, proficient at the use of the game. Uh, but um, you can start playing with the simple 13, 20 keystrokes and uh, go from there. Absolutely. Um, and your point is well, well taken. Uh, it's possible to spend multiple hours playing this game and, and not have any idea how much time has gone by. It's been a long time since I've found myself immersed in any game uh, for that length of time. Another thing that I think is, is worth noting is a lot of games, and because the, the visually impaired community is obviously a small uh, community, sometimes people have to charge a little more for a game perhaps, and so you pay 30 bucks for a game, and in you know, a couple months, three months, six months, you've beaten it, and maybe the interest has worn off, and you think, "Wow, that's a lot of money to spend." This game is going to be interesting for hundreds of hours, if not longer. I hope so. I, I hope it uh, keeps people interested. I hope it keeps me interested. Absolutely. So um, obviously, we've just seen the very first beta. Um, how is the game progressing, and do you have any idea how long it may be before uh, we're able to actually purchase the uh, the game? I was hoping to get it out in the next uh, few weeks, but uh, um, the beta testers have found a few things that are, are, are very interesting to implement, so I, I'm implementing it. I'm kind of a victim of the feature creature. Uh, <laughs> You know, you keep on getting more ideas. You'd say, oh, one more thing. Oh, I'm going to put this one thing in the game, and then I'm going to put it out there. But uh, i gotta, I got to get it out there soon. But I would say the latest it will be is the uh, first week in May. Very good. Wow. Do you have any idea what the pricing is going to be at this point? Um, somewhere between 30 and $35, I think. So pretty much right in line with what the rest of your games have, have been then? Pretty much or, so, I think. Right. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, if people want to check this out, they can obviously go to gmagames.com and look at that, play with the beta. 
uh, I didn't see a mention of a of a uh, support list at this point in time. Is am I missing something? That will be coming out with the with version one. We've been okay. using uh, the GMA games talk list and the uh, Odyssey list for uh, to balance around ideas. At this point, we do have a, a, a beta list, time of conflict list that uh, we'll be opening up. Uh, right now, it's close to about five or six people, and mm-hmm. this is the, the the core group. Very good. I anticipate that will be a rather busy list when it opens up. I suspect um, people seem to really rally around um, really good games, and this is certainly one of those. I'm not even going to pretend to be uh, unbiased at this point. I am <laughs> definitely hooked. Oh, let's just hope uh, everybody is. But uh, I, th- I, th- I think if you like strategy games, uh, I think you'll get into this one. If you if you like action games, well, this might not be the one for you. I think the the one thing that may make the game a lot more playable um, is that uh, you can create your own maps. Yeah. And I think that will make uh, the replay value better. And also, creating your own maps, you understand the geography. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and. Um, so when you start playing your maps you've produced yourself, you know where everything is, where the cities are, where the land masses are, whatever. And uh, the learning curve's a lot faster that way. So I would suggest that people starting the game after playing for a little while, create your own map, try it out, you know, create your own world. It's, it's not difficult. Go ahead, let's talk real briefly about the maps that currently come with the game as it is right now. Okay, there's the uh, Battle of Britain, um, which I try to make as, um, uh, I guess, correct or political as possible. Um, uh, accurate, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, the, the, the European continent has uh, got uh, a lot more infantry, has lots more armor, has more cities. And it looks like Britain is just out of luck. Uh, but what uh, you've got Britain, mm-hmm. and what you do have is uh, a better air force, uh, better sea power, not better in submarines. The, uh, the continent has uh, many more submarines. And uh, then you just uh, play it out, see if, uh, if you can redo the Battle of Britain and... Uh, and uh, work your way through it. I mean, you still got the Bismarck there and uh, a few other battle, uh, German battleships that uh, you got to contend with uh, before you can uh, start moving in your troops. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a challenge. Another uh, map is, uh, it's, it's not exact mapping, so I didn't call it the Pacific Battle, but it is uh, uh, basically 1941, December 7th, starting there. And um, I'd like to make a more accurate one, and uh, but uh, well, maybe one of the uh, one of the uh, gamers will make one. That that would be great. I was going to say there are some really now. I assume that on the uh, the custom maps, uh, like the Britain map, you can still produce infantry and that sort of thing. Is that is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You can still. You obviously you would have to still be able to produce. Okay, very very good. Yeah, it should be really interesting to see what uh, what users are able to come up with. Um, 
I've, I've often heard developers say, you know, users, well, uh, a really good product is one that uh, kind of evolves into something that the developer probably didn't even really see coming. So that should be fun. And uh, I really feel that's happening with Time of Conflict. As I said, it started off as a board game. Uh, it's not ending up that way. Hmm. It's, yeah. uh, it wasn't by my choice. <laughs> the sounds are wonderful. Do you see them even getting better as time goes on? Yeah, um, I certainly do. Uh, a lot of the sounds were just picked as uh, informational uh, clues or cues, I should say. Right. They, they're there just to tell you what's happening. They, they weren't there. Tank, uh, the tank game, uh, Tank Commander and Shades of Doom, a lot of the, the sounds were informational, but a lot of them were to give texture to the game. We don't have that many in Time of Conflict. You've just got so much going on, so many uh, in, infantry units or fighters or battleships or whatever to move around that we can't just have all these different units making sounds and moving around. So uh, the sounds are very, uh, oh, they're, they're picked to give you as much information as possible so that you can uh, move through the, your, uh, your turns quickly. Hmm. The, uh, the sound in Tank Commander when the infantry were shooting at each other was pretty amazing. I mean, that was pretty, a pretty realistic sound, not that I've ever actually been in that situation, but I thought that one in particular was actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure how you came up with that one, but it, it's funny uh, with Tank Commander. Some of it surprised myself in that you put a lot of individual little pieces together, and then they play themselves out. And you'd say, "Gee, I never thought it would even do that." <laughs> wow! So it was it was a surprise to me. But if you uh, try to um, simulate life or whatever as closely as you can. When the, the pieces come together, uh, sometimes you get a surprise. Yeah, very good. Well, I think at this point, uh, all we can do is let people go check it out, and I'm sure that they will. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to visit with us on Main Menu. Well, thank you very much. It was great to be here. Welcome to another BlindBargains.com exclusive audio podcast brought to you by the AT Guys, your assistive technology experts. Visit ATGuys.com today for all of your technology needs. Now, here's JJ Meadow. JJ Meadow here from Blind Bargains, and we are here in San Diego at CSUN, and we're about to listen in to Dan Clark, who is a trainer for Freedom Scientific, and he is doing a quick demonstration of the Pearl, the new portable digital camera solution that works with OpenBook. And so I just put a document under the uh, Perl, and I'll press F4, or you can press spacebar. All right. And it, on the status line, it said acquiring image, and you just heard a, a click, mm -hmm. like a, a camera shutter. Yeah. And it's already acquired it, and it's going to start reading it. Um, it didn't start reading it right there, but normally it will start reading it with a say all, just like OpenBook normally does. All right, you want to try it again? Oh, there it goes. Maybe it just took a few extra seconds to allow it manually that time. I see. It is still alpha at this point. Right. What I can do is I can stop it from reading just by pressing control. If you're familiar with JAWS and you're familiar with OpenBook, same reading commands and things like that. I currently have it set on the screen to a split view. So well, I see huh, the actual real thick uh -huh. image on the bottom half, and I have the text on the top half. Okay. So 
if I were reading, I'd also set it while we were showing somebody else. I set it to under the acquire menu. Renunciate workflow. There's a workflow submenu. Acquire and read factory. Acquire and read factory is the default, I think. But I had changed it to acquiring background factory modified checked. Acquiring background factory. Factory. So what that means is if I take this, if I take this piece of paper right here mm -hmm. and just do F4, it says. Oh, I was in the menu. Sorry. I always forget about being in the menu. <laughs> F4. It says acquiring. Took the picture. It's going to start the say all. Hopefully. Oh, you know what? It's because I've got it set to background, that's why. Okay. Let me do it again. I'm still new at demonstrating this. Alright, so I'm going to do it and start over. So what it's supposed to do is take the picture and then within a few seconds it start reading it. Right. Right. Try it again here. Now I'm going to start the say all because I might have changed that setting. Okay, I'm right. going to start the say all, and I'm going to flip the page while it's reading in the foreground. Okay, okay. So I can be reading in the foreground and press F4 again. And it says on the status line acquiring, you'll hear another snap. But it just keeps reading. Yeah. It doesn't interrupt the reading at all. It doesn't interrupt the reading. Okay. So you can just keep scanning stuff like that. And you don't even have to hit any keys once you do it. You just, okay. just flip it. I, there was a, a mention in the, um, the press release about being able to scan a book, but so you would do half the pages and come back and do the other half? or I would imagine you can. I have okay. not actually read up on that. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Let me um, let me just feel this and kind of describe it to those who can't, uh, you know, who are not here. So it's very uh, what do you call it? Bottom heavy. So that's it, it's weighted down on the table. How much does it weigh? Do you know? Not right off the top of. Okay, it, it's pretty light. Okay. Um, so there's a a base on the bottom, a guide that kind of goes across the front of it that I guess you would line up the page to. Yep. Um, and then behind that is the the base that kind of uh, juts backwards, and then there is a vertical uh, bar that comes up. And there's a the, that the uh, that USB cable coming out of the back of that. Right. Looks like. Um, and then it kind of narrows. There's an arm that it's about going up about a foot, and then it turns forward, and all this folds up. I assume. Kind of reminds me visually of a miniature traffic, you know, uh, light out on the road where they've okay. got the lights shining down on the road. They've got a pole that goes up, mm -hmm. an arm that sticks out with a light shining down Okay. on the street. How do you fold this? Um, field on the right side at the top. Okay. There's a little button. Yep. And now it falls down. Yeah, and there's another one on the base. And now that folds down. And then the base swivels sideways. Ah. I'd say it's, what, about two pounds, maybe? I see. Less than that. So it kind of folds... It, when you're done folding it, it kind of looks like a collapsible cane in two or three sections. Okay. Two of the little case. Okay. Shoulder strap and things like that. And uh, there's there's special introductory pricing for this. There is. I think it's uh, six hundred. I believe. Dollars until July fifteenth. Well, there you go. There's a little bit on the uh, the pearl, and I know we'll be a lot. We'll be talking about this a lot more. JJ Metal here at CSUN in San Diego, and let's listen in as I sit down with Mark Solomon, Regional Sales Manager for DW Micro, and we're looking at the new BookSense DS. 
I'm holding here a BookSense DS, and there was a little bit of discussion earlier. The dimensions that are posted on the website are absolutely correct. Someone said they might be in inches, but no, this is this is even smaller, I think, than the other BookSense. I'll um, pass you another BookSense just to compare. Let's see. Okay. Here's BookSense DS. Yeah, it is uh, a little bit shorter by about a half inch, probably about the same, say, maybe a tiny bit thinner, say, um, about the same width. What they did with the buttons is instead of having the checkerboard um, pattern, they're now raised round buttons. The couple of them, the five and the zero, have a nib on them. There is um, a slider. Yeah, it's a jog switch that'll move okay. forward and backwards through your file structure. All right. So that's much like the up and down arrow keys on the standard book sense, mm -hmm. you can then use that jog switch to move forward and backwards through a list. How do you go uh, the other direction? The, the so to the left and to the right of that jog switch is your left and right buttons. Okay. So for example, I see. Uh -huh, the left would take you to the previous directory, the right would take you into the next directory. Got you. And there's three buttons below that. Uh -huh. From left to right, you have the dedicated record button. Mm -hmm. You then have the mode button in the middle. Okay. And then the play pause button to the right. Okay, so that's also power right there? Um, so go ahead and move to the left edge of the BookSense DS. Okay. And the topmost control is actually a multi-function switch. Ah. So if you rock it to the top position, mm -hmm. it actually will lock the device. Okay, right. And, now, it, and it clicks. Mm -hmm. Sure. And if you go to the bottom, then... Now if you rock it down, that'll be the power on and power off command. Uh, so now we're a little homage to the, to the uh, voice sense here, as far as... Okay. And then uh, below your lock and power switch is going to be your up and down volume. Is it supposed to come on? There, there, we, there go. we go. There it is. Okay, and below that you said that's volume? That's or? your volume, yep. And then you've got your uh, mini USB port below that on the left side for connecting it to your PC. Okay. On the right edge, starting at the top, you have your microphone and headphone jack. Yep. And below that is the date and time button. And as you, as you <laughs> Which probably, is not sad, but oh well. <laughs> we'll have you do that after the, the demonstration here. And, and JJ, as you probably know, the DS has an OLED display. Right, for that's, text on the, viewing. that's right above the, the little slider and the right. arrows. Now, the date time button, if you press and hold that down, uh, is very similar to a standby button to disable the display to extend your battery life. Okay. We're actually uh, talking about adding some voice prompts for that particular function right now. Okay. I believe us today does not have a voice prompt. Yeah, it probably about. would be good to add Absolutely. it. Absolutely, very good point. Yeah. Then you've got your SD slot there, right. supports high capacity. Right. Then you've got your proprietary charging port at the bottom, and then a small reset. Um, That's a different charging port. Compared to the book sense. That's exactly right. So that you can't use the same charger. Right. That's correct. You have a slightly different charger for the okay. DS. Is there a particular reason for that? Just to make it fit in better, you know? Or? It was just uh, the, 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 the system that was applied. That's correct. Hey, there you go. Okay. And um, what's the weight on this? It seems even lighter than the other one. It does. It seems like it's a very light, lightweight design. Mm -hmm. um, because this, this solution is so new, we don't actually have all the specific specifications documented for the first day of CSUN. So we'll continue to have more details okay. as, uh, as the conference progresses. And hopefully we'll be able to post that information on our website in the very near future. Okay. With the size of this screen, it seems more suitable for learning disabled and maybe not so much as, mu as much for low vision, correct? Or? I think that's, that's a very good point to make, JJ, that maybe one of the main benefits uh, would be for a student with a learning disability that has some usable vision. Okay. Uh, so I definitely think that'll be um, a big feature that might help a lot of students with learning disabilities, absolutely. Okay.
And uh, do we have a price yet? Or? Um, we've actually been discussing that, and we're actually uh, trying to get some feedback from folks uh, about what they think might be appropriate. Um, we haven't officially announced a price yet, uh, but I would expect it would be probably around the same price as the BookSense XT, right. give or take a few. Sure. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure, JJ. Thanks uh, for stopping by. Not a problem. JJ Meadow here at CSUN, and perhaps some of the most inter interesting interviews that we do are the ones that totally we just were not planning on doing at all. But we ran into Lucy Greco, who is just doing one of the coolest things I've heard of in a long time, um, involving taking pictures from the perspective of a guide dog. Why don't you tell us a little bit of what's going on here? All right. Well, JJ, uh, Yahoo has asked me to do this for them, so it's a really a Yahoo project. Okay. The Yahoo accessibility team wants to work on disability awareness in general for developers at Yahoo and beyond. So what they have is they've got a camera uh, built into an N95 cell phone. Okay. And that cell phone has got an application on it that every 30 seconds snaps a picture and immediately uploads that picture onto a Flickr stream. And it's a constant flicker stream as long as the phone is moving, because it has a, um, a motion sensor in the phone, right. it will keep snapping pictures. So we started today. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty right now, but we hope to have it solved shortly. Okay. Um, right now what's happening is as long as I keep moving, it goes, but if I stop moving, it won't wake back up again. I see. So as long as you're walking around the room or around the uh, the Hyatt or whatever, it just keeps taking pictures and sending them up through the uh, exactly the, through the seat, the 3G connection or whatever. And they have a developer back in Santa Clara that if he sees some kind of information like a a sign at a booth or a product name, he will go through and link it and tag it immediately. And we're also asking the audience who's watching the Flickr stream to tag pictures if they can as well. So if they see something that's really interesting or something they know about, we're asking them to tag it and put the alt tag on the graphic for us so that blind audience can tell what's happening. And then the uh, other part of the project is I go back to my room every night and blog about what's going on at the, um, at the conference and talk about the cool things I saw and hopefully mm -hmm. make reference to some of the things that people saw on the Flickr stream. Well, there you go. Well, you, hopefully you'll mention this. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You were interviewed by Blind Bargains. There you go. Um, <laughs> Do you work for Yahoo, or how are you approached by them? Uh, actually, I work for UC Berkeley. I run the assistive technology lab there. Okay. And my counterpart at our biggest competition, Stanford, recommended me when they asked him if he knew anybody who had a guide dog who was going to see some. Okay. So it was like, basically, when it comes to disability, nobody's in competition. We all sure. work together. How long do you plan on doing this? We're going to do it through the whole conference. Okay. So I'll send out my last, you know, Flickr pictures on Saturday. They said I could keep the phone for a while, so I may do some on the campus as well at Berkeley. But the stream will be up permanently, and I'll probably keep up blogging, because it turns out I'm enjoying it after all. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, why don't you give everybody the address or how they can find out more about this? Sure. So the blog for the blind audience, because that's, after all, the most accessible part, sure. is Access Aces, A-C-C-E-S-S-A-C-E-S.blogspot.com. And the Flickr stream is flickr.com slash seeing, S-E-E-I-N-G, Y. As in, why are you seeing? <laughs> Well, this, this is very cool. I'm glad to uh, run into you. Thank you so much for telling everybody about this.
We're here with Steve Young, not the uh, football player, the marketing representative for, uh, for View Plus. I'm sure you get that all the time, don't you? Yeah, I yeah, do. I'm sure. Uh, but there are some really cool things here at the uh, View Plus booth here at CSUN in San Diego. Welcome to uh, Blind Bargain, Steve. Thank you. Um, you were just showing me a minute ago a new product uh, for production models uh, that lets you print um, print and braille kind of magazine style at the same time. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? It looks really cool. Yeah, that's correct. It's currently a prototype we have in development that we decided to show here at CSUN this year. Basically, the way it works is it's a collaboration between Oki Data Printing and View Plus. It's called the Spot.MFuse. It's an all uh, it's a color braille station. And mm-hmm. what it does is actually allows to have color ink and braille duplexed all at the same time. That so it's great for magazine printing. Okay. Is it? Can you just do uh, ink print text? Can you actually do uh, graphics with that as well? Yep. All of our U Plus embossers do Tiger graphics. Sure. So twenty dots per inch. Right. So can the graphics show up in print and in braille, or? Yes, print and braille both. Okay. At the same time. All right. So magazine style, for those that aren't familiar, that means what? You can do, uh, it's, it's folded over um, Correct. So, paper. for example, an 8.5 by 11 magazine style document is actually the 11 by 17 paper folded in half. Okay. How fast is the uh, prototype printing? The prototype printing embosses at 200 CPS, so 200 characters per second. Right. Like you said, this is a higher end uh, production model, correct, probably correct. more suitable for tra- uh, transcribers and braille production houses, things like that. Or, or government agencies, anyone who needs to have high uh, printing volume and color needs in the same document, color okay. braille. Sure. Um, do you have a price uh, for that yet? Or? Uh, there is no pricing available. Like I said, it is a prototype. We're not sure when that will be released, um, but it's currently just the, a prototype that we have on I see. display. Does that mean it will it be released, or are you just kind of feeling it out right here and seeing if there's even interest No, they, there is. It is scheduled to be released, but we are not sure when that will be. Okay. So it, it could be a year from now. Who knows? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, there was another thing you were just showing me a minute ago, another uh, kind of production uh, piece that uh, actually is, you said just came out, I believe, this month? Or? Correct. It's going to be released at the end of the month. And what is that? That is is our Ink Connect. Okay. Basically, it's an ink attachment for the Elite and Premier Embossers, because as uh, most of you know, the Elite and Premier Embossers do inner points mm-hmm. in one pass. However, in the past, there was not an ink option for those. Okay. So now with Ink Connect, we are able to have uh, black ink and braille together in the same documents. Okay. How fast can that one print? Um, well, the Elite and Premier models go all the way from 80 characters per second all the way up sure. to 200. So any of those models now, you can add the ink attachment? That is correct. I see. So, what's the uh, lowest price uh, premier model? The, would it be one of the eighty cell one, eighty or eighty characters per second ones? Or uh, yeah, the eighty characters per second is nine thousand nine ninety five. Okay, and then you add the ink attachment. How much is that? Uh, the ink connect is going to be going for three thousand nine ninety five. Okay. If someone already has a, a, a Premier Embosser, can they buy that attachment and add it on then? Or? Absolutely. Anyone who currently has that model um, can get that attach, attached. They'll just have to purchase the sure. Inconnect. And if for some reason their current model is not compatible, as in it was one of the originals that was purchased, mm-hmm. they can go ahead and send it back into us and we'll get that upgraded. No charge to the customer. Oh, okay. Is there a, a discount for buying it all together? Uh, at this time, no, it's not. There's two separate products. They just sure. work together. So this uh, this ink module, it only is it only, you said black and white, correct? But, black ink only. Right. Text and uh, and pictures as well. Or? Yep, exactly. So anything Same you can do. Same with all of our inking embossers. So that all works with the uh, the um, your uh, the software that comes with the embosser the tiger. All graphics. of our embossers come with the tiger software suite. Right. That enables braille translation in Microsoft Word, Excel, mm-hmm. as well as a graphical editing program to make okay. tactile graphics even more clear to the touch. Okay. 
Um, as far as the ink attachments and the things you were just talking about, is the software to uh, interface with that, is that accessible? Yep, all the software for interface is accessible. Okay. Um, anything else that we need to be knowing about? Or? Um, well, those are the main products we're showcasing this year. As always, we ha have our very popular imprint spot dot, mm -hmm. as well as our desktop units. So, sure. All right. If people want to get more information about uh, View Plus or your products, how might they do that? Yeah, all of our products, except for our prototype here that we have today. Information is available about those at www.viewplus.com. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. We're here at the American Foundation for the Blind booth here in San Diego, and we are here with Lee Huffman, who is now the new editor of the popular Access World magazine. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Why don't we start off by uh, telling those people who might not be so familiar a little bit about Access World and where it got to start and um, a little bit about the magazine. Access World, um, at first, was a print publication, which we had subscription, and there was a, a fee involved. It was printed in large print and audio, and in... Um, 2000, we went to a free publication online available at afb.org slash accessworld, and so we've been publishing every two months since then um, information about technology and people who are blind or who have vision loss. Sure. I'd say one of the things you're probably most known for is the uh, the in-depth comparisons that you've done between you know between note takers, between phones, all sorts of different things. Uh, how how does that whole process work? You have like a whole team of people that work on those, right? Well, actually, we have in-house authors and people who are outside of AFB who write okay. for us on a time-to-time -time basis. Darren Burton is our we call him CP Cell Phone Burton has done a lot <laughs> of most of our Access World articles on cell phones or a lot of them anyway. Mm -hmm. And has just been writing some information articles about the iPhone that people are very interested in and its accessibility. So uh, we also have others. Amy Salmon has written for us. Deborah Kendrick, which many people know. Yep. And uh, our also Brad Hodges does a lot of our appliance updates for accessibility of home appliances. One sure. of the new things that's going to be exciting for Access World readers, we hope to find out, is that we will be starting a monthly publication beginning in July. Okay. Every up until now, we've been at two every two months, mm -hmm. and so we're going to be going from Jan July first, then August, September, October, in a uh, monthly capacity. So we'll have more information and more timely for our readers. Sure. There was a survey actually put out I know a few months back, and this probably is part of that about um, the compromise between timely publication and then being in depth and having um, you know. You know, coverage like you've had in the past. So is, is that part of the result of that, or what else did you learn from that survey? It is, and one of the uh, driving forces behind the survey was our Vice President of Programs and Policy, who has been, or had been, our interim author, which is Paul Schrader. And he was really trying to find out about what our access readers really wanted, what were their areas of most concern, and what type of in-depth reporting they were interested in. Are the articles uh, more detail than they were looking for, or as much, or what we're finding out is that people do enjoy the product evaluations and having the in-depth information, but they are also interested in um, less in-depth uh, articles at times as well. So we're going to try to kind of break that up and uh, give them different uh, levels of depth on products. Does that enable you to perhaps, you know, at least talk about a new product a little bit quicker instead of having to wait three or four months? And it then, does. And then you it, can come back later. And absolutely, because what this does, we had previously been doing, the articles were really ready for like three months before they went live on our website. And sometimes for emerging technology, that's just too long to wait. And so with the monthly publication, we're going to be able to do that in a much more timely fashion. Okay. 
How does a site like Access World? How does it? Uh, how do you feel it complements uh, the blogs and other websites that are out there that are you know covering news, especially you know on a more immediate basis, such as like what we do? Well, I think that, that that that's great, and they have their purpose. One thing that we are looking to do at Access World is to get more involvement from our readers and maybe move into doing some of that ourselves, especially having them comment on articles where the author can immediately respond to questions or concerns they would have about a, a product or a feature. And so we're looking to develop that into our website as well for Access World. Okay. What is your area of expertise? You've written articles before you were the editor, of course. So um, what do you consider your strong suits? Really, I work with the low vision evaluations, and that's what I've done in the past, whether it be for screen uh, magnification programs or cell phones that did an article, which really uh, the jitterbug for the low vision cell phones that was another very popular article. And also the handheld CCTVs, which are very common these days. There's more of those on the market all the time. And the laptop-compatible CCTVs, which people were very interested in because they're so portable. So really the low-vision evaluations are what I've done, uh, concentrated on in the past, and as well as lending low-vision expertise into some of the other articles from uh, other writers to collaborate with them sure. on low-vision parts of it. Um, what other, uh, any other major changes that you foresee in the coming months? Are you still kind of feeling your way around as editor? Or? You know, I've been editor for about a month and really still feeling our way around. We're looking to do some more forecasting of articles and better planning possibly than we have uh, been able to do in the past, mm -hmm. as such as you know, maybe one-issue articles. Maybe there's uh, cell phones. We'll do an entire issue devoted to cell phones or an entire issue devoted to another area that the readers are interested about. So uh, looking to do more forecast articles, plan articles around different issues, more timely uh, things that are going on, whether it be in legislation, through policy, or uh, just emerging technologies. Sure. For some of the technology buffs that are listening, are you, are you, is your staff full right now as far as editors? Are you guys actually looking for any more technology people to help cover some of that emerging technology? Or? Really, we're going to be, since we're going to be stepping up our publication going to a monthly magazine, we're going to be looking to have more outside authors for Access World. And we're in the process right now of speaking to some outside authors and looking for new as well because we're going to be having more content. We're going to do, hopefully, a variety of content that we can add. Outside authors can add new perspective and also new expertise to our magazine. Hopefully, our readers will appreciate it. Okay. Um, for those who want to get more information, uh, where might they go to do that? They can come to Access World, which is, they can link to it from our homepage, afb.org or afb.org slash accessworld. Mm -hmm. And they can also contact me directly through email, which is lhuffman at afb.net. Well, Lee, congratulations. Um, for many great years of Access World, and I'm sure there'll be many more to come. Thank you very much. We're here with Paul Albano, Senior Product Marketing Manager for Solutions Marketing. Great, great. We did it. All right. And we are looking uh, here at uh, products from Canon, which are especially intended perhaps for people with uh, small businesses. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that, sure. what we have here. Thanks, JJ, for stopping by. Uh, so what we're showing here is our uh, Image Runner Advanced Model, which is basically a multifunction solution. For, uh, for small businesses or departments within large organizations. And this device is equipped with a number of uh, features which make them uh, accessible for, for users with, with disabilities. So, okay. Well, first of all, by device, what do you mean? What, what's, what's the setup? Is this computer part of it? or? Well, th this, this, is a desk. this would be a laptop that you would use uh, okay. at your desk. And, okay. uh, so I'll, I'll take you through each of the features here. Okay. So um, basically, this machine is equipped with a number of features and options, which are both standard as well as, uh, as, well as optional accessories. So, okay. First thing that we have here is this uh, slide and tilt uh, slide and tilt display. 
Okay. So if you're in a wheelchair uh, and you need to access the ah. machine. And so that's in the front and it, it kind of folds, it'll yes. either face forward or... Right, it, it's, uh, it basically tilts tilts down, so okay. uh, instead of having to climb over the machine to reach the control panel, right. you basically can just slide it out and tilt it and adjust it sure. so that it, it, reaches, it, can, it can reach you at that The height. hinge is on the top, and that's what it opens up and down yep. from the top, okay. And uh, the control panel also has a, a Braille label kit. I see. So, uh, it so can, those Braille labels that are on it, are if that came with the product? or These Braille labels are optional, okay. but uh, basically it helps guide users through the through the machine okay and the braille labels are also on other parts of the unit as well okay so so on this front with the uh, there's a screen in the middle and then on the right side there is a large array of buttons uh, a numeric uh, looking keypad mm-hmm. um, for instance that one is that supposed to be s-e-r-e Se- well that, well there's abbreviations this is right. for settings or registration okay this one is a power power is in the top right corner right and then there's a big U- green and that's the usb i think it's saying that the usb plugs on the side yeah so what you can do with that usb is uh, we have a um, we have a keyboard that you can attach to the unit okay. it's right over here right where is it at i have i'm, I'm holding on to it so uh, if you need to enter an email address or a subject okay. line, rather than using the small touchscreen, you can actually attach a So that's a QWERTY. full QWERTY keyboard, including a numeric row, it looks yep. like? Yep. 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 Okay. So we have that available. And um, the buttons themselves are all indented. They're, they're very, uh, I'd say, distinguishable from each other. Yes, they're concave buttons. Mm-hmm. And we have the number five indicator as well. Okay. And uh, there's other features here, too, which I'm not going to go into too much detail. But, for example, to open up the paper cassettes, okay. rather than having to... You know, turn your hand and pull the drawer out. You just easily press a button, and the drawer okay. pops wide open. All right. uh, a real exciting feature that we have here is a voice guidance yes. and a voice operation kit. So Will this a, talk? If I yes, there's a speaker right here, okay. and, a, and, a, and a microphone, okay. which basically allows you to answer uh, voice commands. So what might I say? Well, let, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the machine into voice mode right now. This is the voice. Okay. And you can hear the speaker. How did you do that? Is there a button? There, well, there's a reset button here. So you hold okay. it down for five seconds okay. and it puts the machine into voice mode. Okay. So uh, there's two ways to operate this. The first way is uh, by by using find the number five key. Okay. All right. So by using number four and number six, mm-hmm. you can actually navigate through the screen. Manual mode. Okay. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm pressing the number six to go through these. Yeah, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put you into, uh, it's going to put you into copy mode. And uh, so here, if you press number six, select color. Select color. So if you want to change the color output, if you want to change the uh, the paper, press number five. Okay. So it's telling you this is a select paper setting. So five is kind of like your help key? Five is like your select key. Oh, your select key, okay. And, and number four and number six allow you to basically go right and left okay. on the screen. How do you go between the different options? Is that eight and two? or No, no, you just use four and six. Okay. So, um, so let's say... Um, so you press number five for OK. This is the copy basic features screen. So Select you can also have settings for, uh, for finishing, Select for stapling, okay. for double-sided. Size, so you can do all that by time. using the number five, okay. using number four and number six. Now, the uh, voice guidance mode basically works where there's a button here. And I'm, I'm just going to give you an example. OK. Um, just put your hand right here. All right. So you're going to hold that down. OK. Number of copies. Number of copies. I'm going to press the button again. Two copies. Two copies. So I'm going to press the button one more time. Start copy. Start copy. And the machine makes copies. The machine is making copies. If it tells you. If you want to stop copying, say stop or press 5. 
So it's basically okay. it's making, it's making copies right now. As far as the voice guidance, I know that there's a lot of uh, it telling you what's going on, explaining the menus. Are there different uh, verbosity settings? Can you yes, you can make it go faster, slower. Uh, there's a volume control there as well. You can have a male voice, female voice. Could you have it not be so descriptive as far as what's in? You know, where? Yes, okay. yes, yes. You could you could control that. And I, I've I've tried to I've tried to dumb it down, if you will, because it, well, exactly this, this for a new user. Dark. But once you get it, as an advanced user, you'd want to. Yeah. You still want to talk, but you don't want it to right. talk so much. And, and you know what will happen uh, as you start using it more and more? Like, you don't have to listen to the whole. Sure. Like, you'll know that I've already made my settings, and I could just skip to the next one and, mm-hmm. and press number five. So, okay, so there's most of the controls are on the front right, and there's, what is that, on the le- uh, to the left of the screen is a... Uh, That's the main menu, main okay. menu button. There's an MM and a QM. Well, they, well, there's a main menu and then there's a quick menu. The, the main menu, the main menu on, on the touchscreen is there's, 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 there's uh, eight, eight buttons. Okay. basically allow you to copy, print, scan, and store. With a quick menu, what I could do is I could actually set up one button, like maybe one or three big buttons. Okay. And uh, I can have all my settings preset in advance. So rather than having to go through all these menu options, mm-hmm. I can basically authenticate myself at the machine. And then uh, by pressing that one button, it already knows my email address. It already knows my preferences for, for copying and, and things like that. Okay. So, so what is this? All right, this includes a, a copy machine. Is it just a copier? It's, a, it's a copier. It's a printer. Mm-hmm. It, you can also scan documents. So you can scan documents and convert them to PDF. You, you can send them to multiple destinations, whether it be a file folder on a network. Does it have built-in OCR or is it just image? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, there's uh, there's searchable, uh, uh, searchable. you can create searchable PDF files. Is that all built into the device or is there computer software that works with that? It's, it's built into the device. So it's got its own OCR engine uh, built in. Would well, you know which engine it is? Uh, I'm, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. But uh, it's, it's Canon. It's Canon. It's Canon developed, and uh, we, we do work very closely with Adobe. Sure. So we have tr- we can we can create true Adobe Adobe files. Is this the only uh, the only model that's available right now? As far as what's you know. No, we talk- have mul- multiple models. Uh, basically, the voice guidance feature is available from our machines from down to 22 pages per minute. Okay. All the way up to 105. Oh, okay. So this is something I know it's been talked about for the last year or two, but so now it actually is available on several different models. Yes. This okay. Is. Yep. How much is this one here? Well, you know, um, this is for a larger office, so typically right. most offices are going to lease the, the equipment. Okay. And so depending on the the lease, the type of lease that they select, depending on the service options for you know for toner, for paper, the, the price could vary. So uh, r- retail, you're probably looking at anywhere between fifteen to twenty thousand. Okay. But again, depending on the model, it, it could be a slower speed model. You could have various levels of uh, service okay. built into this. So there's many different okay. many different. Well, you were saying, all right. So there are lower end models that this works with. What's what's the uh, the entry level point? Is for, you know what's the lowest model that you could get? Uh, twenty two pages per minute. Okay. Which is uh, almost almost like a cl- close to a desktop machine. I would you know say. how much that is. You know, it, it's because of the way copiers are sold, it's basically sold through lease. Gotcha. So it's 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 tough to put a number on it. I mean, you'd have to really right. work with a local dealer to, and, and they they can help you find an, an affordable okay. solution. So the voice guidance, all these features, is that something that's being now included in a, in a lot of Canon's models, a lot of the newer it's models. It's available as an option. Okay. So um, most of our models, most of our image runner models support support this feature. Do you know how much additional the voice option adds to the cost? From a retail standpoint. 
I think it's anywhere between 800 to 1200 bucks. Okay. But, but again, if, if it's part of a lease, they, they can bear, basically you know, bury it, it in it's Right, police. it wouldn't be that much more. Yeah. Okay. So if someone wants to get more information or figure out uh, which, uh, which models are supported and learn more information, uh, how might they do that? They can go to the Canon USA uh, homepage at uh, www.usa.canon.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find all of our product materials, brochures, and things like that online as, as PDF files. And you can also find a, a local Canon dealership in, in your area. And uh, they, they can they can actually uh, you know provide you with more information on how to actually acquire this. Unit. With the local the local dealers, they probably in general aren't going to have the would they actually have the voice option to show at their at the local dealership? Or? Uh, well, you know uh, because it's such a niche model, they they may not have one there per se. But we, they 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 have access to resources at Canon USA. Okay. That, that can easily set set up a demonstration for you within one of our local regional offices. And those are all over the country. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Paul. It's definitely been a pleasure. Thank you, JJ. All right. We're here with Eric Bondemark, the CEO of Low Vision International, and we are looking at a brand new solution for mobile phones called MagnaLink Go. Welcome to uh, Blind Bargains, Eric, and um, why don't you tell us a little bit about this? MagnaLink Go is a mobile software uh, positioned against blind people and also to, towards uh, low vision people. So it basically has three functions. It has a live mode, and in the live mode, you can use your mobile phone as a digital magnifier. And uh, we have built-in functions for uh, artificial colors, and we can zoom in, zoom out, and you... As you always have the phone with you, then you have the digital magnifier with you and need no extra equipment for that. What is the uh, zoom level that's available? It's about uh, seven times. Okay. And of course, you can adjust that, I would take it with, yeah. Yeah. with different you settings. You can adjust that always in, uh, in, in the live okay. mode. Okay. Are there any other, as far as magnification, can you switch the contrast? or? Can Absolutely. You can switch the contrast, you can uh, zoom in, zoom out, change the artificial colors, invert the uh, artificial colors. Okay. Anything else that the uh, the magnifier does? That, that, the magnifier is kind of hard to demonstrate on an audio uh, recording, but that's a, that definitely uh, good to know. You're running that uh, on a Nokia N86. Yeah. I assume it runs on other phones. Okay, it, it, it uh, runs on uh, N86, N82, and 6220 Classic. And oh. then we, within a very short period of time, there will be a number of... Uh, uh, more phones available. All, all uh, Symbian phones? Yes, all, okay. all on Symbian platform, yes. Okay, so that's one. So the, what, what else do you have? Yeah, then we have the OCR function. That okay. we, can, we use the camera uh, in, in built in, in, in the phone, and then we make a snapshot of a document. Okay. And then we... Then we uh, yeah, I'm guessing that's going to be the one that everyone wants to hear. So, yeah. so now I, I made a snapshot here. And we start processing, and then it will read the, the document that we just have uh, photographed. Uh, and it has a picture correction uh, capabilities. Is it still processing? or It's still processing. Uh, and then, uh, then when it's reading, it's also showing the text in the, in the, uh, on the screen. Okay. And then... On the fly, you can adjust the artificial colors and so on. Now it starts reading. Access to information in your cell phone. A new product for people with visually impaired. And now it and now I have the text on the screen, and I can change artificial colors if I want. So I can zoom in, zoom out, 
Okay. And then pulse. Would you say maybe what was that, 20 to 25 seconds? Uh, about that. About okay. It's depending on the text and so of course. on and the quality. Right. And then I have another function here also. Mm -hmm. Now when I have the, the text document stored in my phone, okay. we have a send function. So I can, via SMS or MMS, uh, send the, the text file to another phone. Okay. Or I can even email it to uh, a computer. And then in the computer I can continue okay. processing the, the, the text. So that are basically the, the functions. All right, so these, these uh, functions that you talked about, is, first of all, is that all in one uh, software program? It's all in the... Uh... All, all in one software, Okay, yes. so if you purchase the, uh, the software, you get those all. Yeah. Are, yeah. Is it uh, self-voicing, or do you have to work use it with mobile speaker talks? To no, it, it's self-voicing. It's self-voicing. What are the voices that are included? Uh, in, the, in the basic version, you, you use the built-in Nokia voices in the phone. Okay. Then we also have, can supply all uh, a cappella voices. Okay, so there's an additional charge for yeah, the for it the is, it is. for the a cappella. You pay per voice, or you pay you pay per voice and per language. Okay. Uh, what other, as far as the reading, uh, other what other settings are available as far as uh, when you're reading? Is there ways to move around the page or have it? Uh, read different parts of the page or spell parts of the you know, words, things like that? Yeah, yeah. that is possible to, uh, to uh, swap around in the, in the text, of course. Okay. And can you save that text? Uh, you said you can send it. Yeah, uh, yeah you, you, you can say, of course, it's, it's, it's saved in the phone as, as a file. And then you send that okay. file. As a text file? Yes. Okay. Um, this works with the, uh, the, the three phones right now. Is it... Um, which other phones are you looking at supporting? Is it basically the ones that have the better cameras or any specific models you know? No, it's, it's, it's a bunch of, uh, of Nokia phones that uh, we are looking at right now. But that, that will develop continuously for, for new phones. Okay. Does it do uh, currency? Sorry? Does it read uh, currency, money? Uh, I... I I have to check up that. I have to. Okay. Uh, I cannot answer you that. Okay. All right. Um, what What are the plans for uh, uh, the future development of the software? Any plans for upcoming features that you want to talk about? Yeah, there are a number of features that uh, that can be added on. Uh, of course, uh, it, 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 it is connected to the development of uh, of the phones. Sure. So we follow okay. the next generation phones very closely. And uh, that is the intention to uh, be updated on, on the next generation okay. of phones. How much is it? Uh, what is the cost for the two different versions? It, it's uh, the cheapest version is seven hundred ninety-five dollars. That's for the, that's for the software only. That's for the software only. Okay. And then it's eight ninety-five if you want high quality voices. Okay. And then does that include free updates uh, for new features, or how much update do you, do you get with that? Uh, that, that is not including uh, the, the, the updates. Okay. But uh, but there are free uh, demo licenses on the uh, on, on our website. Okay. And what is that website? It's uh, lvi.se. Lvi.se for the uh, the free demo. Yeah. And it's yeah, uh, the thirty day uh, free demo license. Fully functioning or? Yeah, yeah, fully functioning. Okay. All right, well, thank you so much for the information. We do definitely appreciate the, uh, the demo. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.